Thank you for listening to the Grace Chapel Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Kurt Henn. For more information about our church, visit our website at gracechapel.cc or follow us on social media at Grace Chapel Ohio. Now, as we continue our study in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, you know, we've been taking a look at Jesus' encounter with a perplexed prophet by the name of John the Baptist. And we've kind of been unpacking this encounter, kind of highlighting lessons as we go. And and so today, we're actually going to highlight four more lessons from this encounter. So if you got a paper and pen or you like to write in your Bible, there's there's a couple of notes for all of my note takers out there to, to take uh, this morning. But we'll highlight four lessons today in our text today. And our text is chapter 7, verses 24 through 28. And again, if you don't have a Bible, listen, the verses are below this video. You can see the verses there if you don't have a Bible yourself. Well, Luke chapter 7, verse 24. I'm always the last one there, so give me a second here. But we'll pick up in verse 24. We left off our story at this verse, and it says this. When John's messengers had gone... Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. That as last week we saw Jesus reaffirming John in the midst of his doubts. But this week we were going to see Jesus actually praising John to the crowds. Now, there's kind of two things that I want us to notice right up front before we dive into what Jesus is going to say. And the first one is simply this. Jesus is going to praise John to the crowds, but notice John's messengers are gone. That is, John is not going to hear all of these great things that Jesus is going to say about him. And so the question comes, you know, why? I mean, wouldn't it be nice if John, especially in the state that he's in, wouldn't it be nice for him to hear all these great things that Jesus is going to say about him? Well, the reality is Jesus chose to affirm John with his word. That is, Jesus is saying to John, his appeal to John in this moment, at this time in his life, in the midst of the test that he is in, his appeal to John is have faith in me. Have faith in my word. Have faith in my deeds. Now I say that because, you know, perhaps today or you know you kind of feel like a failure perhaps you know you feel like you know I've done okay over here but I I haven't done so well over there or you know I've I, I've been kind of disciplined here but I've kind of been kind of unproductive here or you know I feel like I've got some of this area of my life under the subjection of Christ where I'm obedient but these other areas I I wrestle with giving over and allowing Christ to rule. 
And so my encouragement to us, to me, to you is simply this. Confess that. Confess that. Turn from that. Continue to place yourself under the rule of Christ. Continue to submit yourself to the control of the Holy Spirit. And listen, if you will do that, if you and I will continue to pursue Jesus, to make abiding in Christ our goal, to make our aim to be like Jesus, that we don't give up. We just keep wrestling with it. We keep pursuing it. That's what we want our life to be about. Then listen, we will have our commendation day as well. We will hear Jesus praise us as well. We will appear before him and hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. But for now, listen, just like John, for now, now is a time of faith. But make no mistake, our commendation day is coming. And so listen, that's the first lesson that we learn from Jesus' encounter with John the Baptist here. So you can fill this in or actually write this down in your notes. There's not a fill-in. I'm used to fill-ins. <laughs> but write this down. Live for God's praise. We've got to live for God's praise. There's an old story about a missionary and his wife coming home from the missionary field after 40 years overseas. And they were coming over on a boat. They weren't flying, but on that boat was some wedding parties and that sort of thing. And so when they disembarked from that boat, listen, there were a lot of people around to receive that wedding party coming back. There were signs and balloons and horns and everybody was hooting and hollering and receiving them and celebrating with them and everyone was having a good old time. And, and yet when the missionary and his wife, you know, uh, stepped off the boat, tired, worn out 40 years serving Christ overseas. There was no one there. There was no one there to celebrate them. There was no one there to praise them. There was no one there to commend them for their years of sacrifice and service. And so the missionary kind of in self-pity and looked over at his wife and said, you know... <laughs> Sometimes it just doesn't feel worth it, you know. All these people coming back and they're being commended, they're being celebrated, and you and I, we've, we've spent 40 years living for Christ, pouring out our life. Nobody knows, nobody sees, nobody cares, nobody's here to celebrate all that we have given. And, and his wife full of the Spirit, kind of turned to her husband and said, Honey, that is, that is not true. Listen, this is not our commendation day. That's, that's their commendation day, and that's all they get. Listen, honey, our commendation day is still 
coming. And so, church, listen, our commendation day is still coming. Today is a day of faith. We need to live for God's praise. The second thing that I want us to notice up front here is not only that Jesus begins to praise the crowd when John's um, messengers aren't there, but I want us to see the reason that Jesus praises John to this crowd. Because what happened was when, Je when John's disciples were with Jesus and they were talking to Jesus about the doubts that John was having, the crowd was in their midst and they overheard that conversation that John's disciples had with Jesus. And so they were wondering in their hearts, you know, is, is John the Baptist's ministry legit? And so Jesus' response to that is, oh yeah. And he is going to commend John the Baptist's ministry to them. And so he's going to talk to the crowd and he's going to ask them some questions about John's ministry in order to make his point. And so he continues here in verse 24. Jesus asks this, What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? Well, what is he saying? Well, we all know what a reed is. It's just a, a flimsy little grass uh, blade and and so listen, it has no stability, it, it has no strength, and so it's just blown to and through, fro. Wherever the wind blows, it goes, it, it bends. And so Jesus is saying to them, John was not like that. He is saying, listen, you didn't go out in droves to this guy out in the middle of nowhere to go see a man who was wishy-washy, who didn't really believe or live according to what he said. You went out there to see a preacher full of conviction. He lived it. He believed it. He preached in a way that you had never heard before, and it compelled you to come. John was a man of conviction. He was not double-minded. He was single-minded. He didn't water it down. He didn't sugarcoat it. He just said the word for what it was. He believed it. He stood on it. He was a man of conviction. And so listen, that is our calling as well. We are called to be men and women of conviction. We are to be single-minded. You know, the book of James in chapter 1 actually warns us. It tells us, you know, the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. It even goes on to say something further, and it says, you know what? The double-minded person should not expect anything from the Lord. They shouldn't expect that Jesus is going to answer their prayers. That is to say, Jesus expects us to be 
single-minded. He expects us to ask in faith, single-minded. He expects us to act in faith, single-minded, and to trust that he will do what he says he will do. And so listen, that's the second lesson that we learn from this encounter with Jesus. We're not only to live for God's praise, but here's the second one if you're taking notes. We need to be single-minded. We need to be single-minded. Well, Jesus continues with his questions, and in verse 25, he asks this, What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and, and live in luxury are in king's courts. Now, not only was John a man of conviction, he was a man of self-denial. That is, Jesus says, you didn't go out in the wilderness to you know, see some guy in his designer clothes and you know, his brand new cars or trucks and his awesome houses. You didn't go out to see that. You, you went out to see a man who lived differently. That is, you know, John's theme was not like, you know, ZZ Top. Everybody's crazy about a sharp-dressed man. John was not into that. That was not his song. That was not his tune. He wasn't about the measurements of success and position that our world aspires to. His theme was this, he, Christ, must increase, but I must decrease. He was a man who practiced self Denial, And so that's the third lesson that we learn from this encounter. We need to live for God's praise. We need to be single-minded. And third, we need to practice self-denial. We need to practice self-denial. That is, we need to die to ourselves and we need to live for Christ. Easy thing to say, hard thing to do because that old self in me, that old self in you does not want to die. I mean, there's just something in there where we we just want our comfort and, and our pleasure and we just want our due and we just, it rears its head and we have to subject it to the Spirit. We have to repent of it, turn from it, and then put on the Spirit so that we fulfill the Spirit's desires and we don't gratify the desires of our flesh. We need to be a people that practice self-denial. We're to dance to a different tune than the rest of the world. We are to live for a different kingdom. We are to live by different kingdom principles. And listen, Jesus unpacked all of those for us. Just a few chapters back, you remember, they were called the Beatitudes. And listen, we said, this is, this is totally upside down from what our world would say would make sense to them. Well, Jesus continues with his questions. He says in verse 26, what then did you go out to see? A prophet? 
Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. That is, Jesus is saying, listen, John is the greatest prophet of all the Old Testament prophets. And then he quotes Malachi 3, and Malachi 3 was a prophecy about John the Baptist. So John the Baptist is the only prophet that was prophesied about. He was the only one who fulfilled biblical prophecy. And so he's greater in that way. But listen, Jesus doesn't stop there. He goes on to say in verse 28, I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Wow. I mean, what a con commendation, right? And, and so the question comes, of course, you know, well, how was John greater than all men and women born of of a woman? And the answer, of course, the first one is he was the only prophet that was prophesied about. We talked about that. He was the one who prepared the way for the Savior of the world, for the Messiah. He was the one that, listen, his life was totally about the message of Jesus. He pointed people to Jesus. He was the one who got to baptize Jesus. And here's the biggest privilege. He was the one who got to introduce Jesus to the world and say, listen, here he is. The Messiah has come. Well, Jesus continues, and, and this second part should really just blow your mind. Look, look at what Jesus says next. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God, that's, that's you and me, is greater than he. That is, Jesus is saying, you know, John's opportunity, John's privileges in God's economy, in God's plan, were unprecedented. No one was greater than John. But then he says, even though that is true, our opportunity our privileges in Christ are even greater. That is to say, the, the, the lowest person in Christ stands on higher ground than the highest person who stands on the law. It's amazing. You know, we are indwelt with the Spirit. God is in us. Not just with us like it was in the Old Testament. God was with them for whatever service or ministry they had. God is in us. We have died with Christ. We have been raised with Christ. We have been seated with Christ in the heavenly places. That is our present 
reality. Listen, John didn't understand that. John didn't experience that. He did not see the full gospel. He didn't see the cross. He didn't see the resurrection. He didn't see the body of Christ full of the Holy Spirit, full of both Jews and Gentiles becoming the sons and daughters of God. He didn't know any of that, experience any of that. And Jesus says, John's opportunities, John's privileges were unprecedented. But our privileges... Our opportunities are even greater than John the Baptist. That is, listen, John was a great, great friend of Jesus. We are his bride. And so fill this in. Here's the last lesson that we learned from this encounter with Jesus. We, we need to live for God's praise we need to be single-minded. Listen, we need to practice self-denial and last for your notes. We need to seize our time. We need to seize our time. That is, again, Jesus says that our opportunities, that our privileges are literally greater than the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. Get your mind around that. Doesn't that blow you away? That, that blows my mind. It's incredible that my opportunity, my privileges in the kingdom of God now are greater than what John the Baptist had. Now, one of the things about being in a crisis, a good thing that can come of it, is clarity. And so Jesus is saying to us, you know, well, here's clarity on your life. Here's clarity on our lives. Your opportunity, your privileges in Christ, in his kingdom, are greater than the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. And so Jesus is calling us. He's calling us to know that. He's calling us to get that in the core of our being so that we live it out, so that we seize the incredible opportunities, listen, that He died for, that He was raised to life for, that He then filled us with in order to accomplish opportunities that He laid out for us before the beginning of time. Church, it's a crazy time. It's an unsettling time. But listen, there are great opportunities because God is in us. The third person of the Godhead is inside of us. We have the same power within us that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. God has said that by His divine power, He has given us everything we need to live a godly life. God has said, you know, He is our helper. 
I will not fear. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and a sound mind. And so listen, we need to center into Him and we need to open our eyes to see. Listen, what is God wanting to do in and through us? And so perhaps during this time, it's about maybe meditating upon our privileges. Maybe that's what you can do even this afternoon is really think about what does it truly mean for me to be in Christ? What is involved with that? Because it's a lot. You've been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Think about that. You're a partaker of the divine nature. Think about that. You are a son or daughter of God. Think about what that means. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. You are a temple of God. Think about what that means. What are the implications of that? That God is with you and for you. That God completely loves you and accepts you. Think about what are the implications. What are the privileges of being in Christ? Some of them are immediate. Some of them are still to come. And then think about, in light of that, what are the opportunities that God is teaching me in this moment? And some of them may be in your own home, you know, reconciling relationships with your kids or with your spouse. Maybe slowing down and just making some memories together in the midst of stuff that you can't control. You know, maybe it is thinking about, you know, what things are important in your life and, and really looking to maybe pursue some of those things you put on the shelf because, well, you just, you know, you get in a rut of life and, and you don't take the time to think. So perhaps that is what is going on. Perhaps this is the time for God to increase your faith. Perhaps God is wanting you to step out and share your faith, to make phone calls with your friends, to make phone calls with your family. I don't know. I just know that the Holy Spirit is working in you and that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and there are opportunities that He has for you. That I know. And I know that's true for me as well. Let's pray, church, and then we'll close our time together. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more sermons like this, visit us online at gracechapel.cc.